Hey, this is Bob Hugoy, and you're listening to The People Podcast. Welcome to episode 53 of The People Podcast. This week, I'm talking to Bob Hugolet from Side Street Golf. Bob has created a revolutionary product to make golf more accessible for golfers, and it's called the Back Nine Golf Backpack. The Back Nine is a golf bag that you can wear as a backpack, and it's a product that I am super excited about. You see, Bob and I share a couple big things in common. We love to golf and we love to bike. And if you're like us, you know it can be very hard to combine the two. But that's where Bob and the Back Nine Golf Backpack come in. He's created the perfect golf bag for on-the-go golfers. And after years of trial and error, it's available right now. And as a special treat to all of our wonderful listeners, Bob has hooked us up with a 20% discount code. So if you want to order a Back Nine Golf Backpack for yourself, head to sidestreetgolf.com and use the discount code PEOPLEPOD20. You can also use the link in the episode description and it will automatically apply the discount code. But that's enough from me, so let's get to it and hear from the star of this week's episode, Bob Hugelay. Bob, thanks so much for taking the time. How's it going? Going well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, I would love to start by going back to the beginning of your journey. I know you are a Chicago man, so what was your childhood like in the Windy City? Uh, so I grew up a little bit outside in the suburbs, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's nice. You got all four seasons going on uh, in Chicago, but yeah, growing up, I played I played golf frequently at our local, we have a local nine hole in, uh, in Frankfurt, Illinois. But yeah, so I grew up playing, you know, playing around in the summers with my friends, with my family. But yeah, that was, that was it. That's great. And I feel like golf, you know, is a sport that usually there's someone that brings you into it. Was there a certain somebody in your life that introduced you to the sport and really got you going? Yeah, definitely. My dad uh, would be the person who introduced me to it. You know, it's the kind of thing he said, you should get into it early, you know, learn a decent stroke and you can kind of take it with you through your whole life. You know, people are always playing golf. It's a great uh, pastime. So I played when I was younger kind of dropped off a little bit in um, high school and college. But as after that, I started playing more again, you know, learning to be patient and appreciate the game. It's good that you started early because I look at it now, I think like, why didn't I start playing golf earlier? I mean, my dad had dragged me to a couple golf lessons here and there, but now that I'm older, I really appreciate the game and I just wish I started earlier. Yeah, no, yeah, same. I mean, I wish I would have played more <laughs> when I had more time. Now I've got... uh Married, got a few kids, so there's less and less time to play, it seems like. But, um, yeah, I definitely took a few lessons growing up and just, you know, was always in around with my brother in our backyard or whatnot. So I'm okay. I'm not, I'm not super great, but I think I can hold my own a little bit uh, out there. So, Bob, I know that side street golf is something you're doing, ironically, on the side, but how did the whole idea come together for you? Yeah, so um, it started, you know, maybe – Two, three years ago, um, when the pandemic was, was just getting underway, you know, one of the few things you could do was, was go golfing. And they actually had these rules about, you know, you couldn't use a golf cart. You couldn't, you, you had to like walk with your, um, with your bag. So then I started thinking about different ways of carrying bags. And I was playing, playing, trying to practice more at the driving range. So I started biking 
I was trying to bike to, to our local driving range, try to get, you know, a little workout in and, and try to hit some balls. And I just found there's no good way to, to do that. There's, there's no kind of solution to uh, bike to the driving range. I'll see other people kind of use backpacks or use different kind of makeshift things, but there wasn't like a dedicated thing. So, um, yeah, I just had that kind of thinking around in the back of my mind and, and was playing with some different ideas. And eventually I started building some prototypes in, in my garage and messing around. I'm kind of like to get my hands on things like that. And, uh, yeah, kind of went from there. I love the idea. And, you know, this Back Nine Golf Backpack, it's this revolutionary golf bag that you can wear as a backpack, making your golf clubs way more easy to transport from your house to the golf course to the driving range, whatever it might be. And this is something I've encountered so many times myself. I told you earlier, I live right next to Golden Gate Park and I always want to go play there. But without a car, it's just so hard and so risky to take a traditional golf bag on a bike and even the golf sling. It's just not ideal to bring a lot of clubs to the golf course or the driving range. So I love this product. And I saw some of the early renditions of the Back Nine Golf Backpack on your website. And Bob, I tell you, I was amazed at your creativity. At one point, it looked like you had stripped a foldable chair to just the frame. You attached it to a backpack, and then you had even added some wooden slabs to it. So I got to know, when you're in this process of creating the product, what was the most challenging part about making the early renditions of the backpack? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, and that's exactly what I did. I did strip down a, a uh, just like a folding chair. Yeah, the hard part, I think, was, I mean, the hard part was going from from that stage to having actual prototypes that were something that could be manufactured like in math. Cause I could build things out, um, you know, by hand, but translating that into something that can be manufactured by, you know, um, a company or, you know, it could be manufactured in masses Well, that, that was the challenge. So yeah, early on, I'm just grabbing pieces of whatever's in the garage. I'm looking around and stuff and it's kind of just, there's like a worm in my brain. You know, I, I, I would see different things or, think of how it could, could apply. It was um, kind of like an obsession. And then, um, yeah, so I'd be, be, be doing things in the garage, but yeah, eventually, you know, the hard part was, was translating that over to, um, to an actual something that could be manufactured in, in testing really, because you have to, it has to really fit right to, to be something you could test and, and try on and have someone else try on and use. So doing two purposes, you know, serving as a backpack when you're wearing it like on, on your bike or just walking around and then also being on the, um, on the golf course, it kind of, to really give it a, a good test, you need to have a pretty good prototype. So I think that was the, that was the hardest part. You know, eventually you start to show your prototype to people and they liked what they saw. So you got to get to the next stage. And I know at that point, there were two big parties that helped you advance the idea, Kickstarter and Klugonics. Let's start with Kickstarter. Can you explain that whole process and how Kickstarter helped you evolve your backpack? For sure. So uh, Kickstarter is a, uh, a your, your listeners may or may not know, it's, it's a platform for startups to kind of put their idea out there and let people back them. So uh, you put your idea out and if people like it, they can pre-order it. Uh, they're kind of sending you some funds and you're taking that, you know, they're usually getting a discount and then you take, this is usually before you've produced, you know, any units at scale. And then you'll go and, you know, make a hundred, 200,000, whatever it is 
and, you know, fulfill all your orders to your backers. And then you're trying to kickstart your company. So that's, that's exactly what I was um, trying to use it for. Get a little exposure, kind of validate the idea, see if people like it and, and then get some pre-orders and, and some funds to help with that initial production run. So yeah, that, that's, that, that's what I did. It's, uh, it was um, kind of a, a big learning curve. It's, it's a really good simulation of what an actual, you know, just launching a company, you just follow the Kickstarter model. It forces you to think about who your audience is, think about your message, think about um, how your product looks, how it's going to be able to be shared on social media, and lots of different things. So it's a, it's a, it's a good way to, to launch a company and, and force you to kind of step through the whole process. Yeah, and you had come into Kickstarter, I'm looking at the website now, with a $10,000 goal, and you blew that out of the water. You had gotten $26,000 from 150 different backers. So was it at this point that you realized, like, wow, I really got something? Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that was eye-opening. And, and to see, um, to see uh, you know, it, it's kind of an interesting niche because it's, there's a lot of golfers, you know, in, in, in the world in the U S and in the world. And there's a lot of bikers, but it's kind of, uh, you know, unclear what that, what that overlap was. So I think this kind of validated it. We didn't have a ton of, you know, money to put into marketing and paid advertising. So a lot of people were just finding us because, you know, they're, they're, they had an interest or in one or both of those categories. And yeah, the, another interesting thing on the Kickstarter was I think almost half our orders came from, outside of the U.S. So I had some friends and family, you know, obviously supporting it. But then you see, and then a lot of people in the U.S. found us, but then a lot of people from, from outside of the U.S. So there's, you know, many more golfers in the United States. But in, in Europe, if you think about, you know, the Netherlands, Sweden, France, Germany, there's a lot of people who are, you know, this is a higher biking population. So there it's like you're finding bikers who like to golf as opposed to the U.S., where it's mostly finding golfers who, you know, like the bike. That's interesting. And I like how you tapped into two different markets. You mentioned, you know, the Americans that love to golf and then the Europeans that love to bike and, and also golf. Because over there, you know, they love to bike and walk and they're much less reliant on the car, I guess you could say. Was that an unexpected thing for you to discover? Or like, were you kind of thinking that, oh, overseas, this is going to be a big hit as well? I was hoping for it. Um, there wasn't, you know, I, I don't, uh, you know, I wasn't sure what the actual outcome would be, but yeah, definitely. It's in, in something we continue to see after Kickstarter is I get, I'm still taking pre-orders like on our, on our website and we're still getting orders from, from abroad when we're not really running any ads or doing anything other than, you know, some social media. So I, I was hoping for that, you know, uh, the, the, we also have like the Southeastern Asia market, you know, Japan, South Korea, those are other areas that we've gotten some interest in. We haven't really made an effort to, to launch in their languages and in their formats yet, but that's kind of our, that's, that's uh, coming down the pipe, the pipe soon. It's cool to know about the Kickstarter side of the story. Now, I want to switch to Klugonics. I know this is the company that kind of helped you finalize the design and get your product ready to manufacture. How did you find them, and what was that process like in bringing your renditions to the final product? Klugonics was a great partner for, for doing that. Um, I worked with, with Jason there and Izzy and, and their whole team, and I really just brought them drawings and those prototypes you saw i actually mailed them i want to say it was that wooden one <laughs> that wooden one with the uh 
with the chair. Uh, so it, we had a great, you know, collaboration where I'm sending them and here's, here's my idea. And, um, you know, the, the owner of the company is a golfer and he, he kind of believed in it. They all believed in it right away. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of presented the idea, some drawings, some, some prototypes that I had made. And then we had a lot of back and forth where they're, you know, pointing out some, some issues with not only, uh, maybe my design or, or how it can translate to a bill of materials that we can give to, you know, a company to manufacture, but also just, you know, the use cases. Like we originally kind of had the club heads stored in like at the bottom and you would kind of open up like that folding chair concept. It would kind of open up and you pull your clubs out, but they kind of helped, helped convince me that that's going to be too tedious. You know, we want something where the club heads, it's more like a traditional bag. Um, and you just flip your club heads over once you get to the course. So, yeah, there's a few months of collaboration, and, and they, they they built some prototypes themselves, sent them to, sent them to me, and then, uh, yeah, we kind of went from there. Do you know in total, as you're working with them and coming up with all these ideas, how many versions there were of the Back Nine Golf Backpack? Uh, yeah, there was at least, I want to say at least seven or eight. I probably made... I think I made four, four or five on my own, and then they they produced um, I think three, and then we had our manufacturer produce two more, and then we got our golden sample. So what I have now, you, you'll see this. So I guess there's more like nine, but um, on the uh, on our website now, that's our golden sample. So that's you know the actual product. And there's only a few of those out in the world right now, but we'll get you know that that's what actually will be manufactured. So. Yeah, quite a quite a bit of testing and iteration and and refining to get to the point we're at uh, today. Take me back to the day of you getting that first golden sample and the finished product in the mail. You open the box, you're looking at it. What was the biggest thing that stood out to you about the final product? What stood out to me, what really like, it's like, oh man, this, this is this is getting real. It's I love the colors. It was the first time we had seen the colors. Like it was just black before. We played with a few different ideas, but the colors, I like this is nice. It's gray with a nice uh, orange and kind of light blue pops of color, which I kind of always wanted that. But yeah, it, it just actually looked like something that you could see in the store. You know, you could see someone buying, like it wouldn't look out of place. Whereas all my prototypes before that were like, <laughs> they were just like, I'd say they're more like contraptions than prototypes. They're just like, you know, not the greatest looking. I'd get a lot of looks, you know, biking around Chicago and, rolling up to a driving range and like unhinging this thing and like deploying it. But now with the, the latest one, it just looks super smooth and yeah, very happy with how it turned out. Yeah, it's a beautiful finished product and it's so revolutionary. I think it's going to be a big hit. And one thing I've always thought about with creators and inventors, whenever they come out with a new product, there's always the fear or, you know, the idea that it could get knocked off. Is that something you've thought about and like how are you prepared to tackle that? Is it is there anything proprietary about it? Yeah. Yeah, we have a uh we're, we have a patent filed for a few different kind of unique aspects of the um of the bag. So there's like a rubber strap system to really kind of secure your clubs in. There's a few different, I don't, you know, learn about this, but work with a attorney and that's always fun, but uh, I get to learn about the different aspects of it and, you know, kind of patenting specific features. So that's, that's going to offer some protection in the U S at least. But then, yeah, I mean, our, our goal really is to just, just to hit, we're kind of opening up a new category here 
and we just want to be the leader in this category of kind of alternative golf bags. So yeah, that's our that's our that's our goal is to just kind of secure our place as the brand and, and the company that can come up with these creative solutions, make them work well, make them look just sweet, and you know, be introducing new products as we go. We've got you know, uh, I've got many more ideas of <laughs> different different products related to the back nine or or similar or in this kind of same space. Yeah, that's our goal. That's great. You know, you're talking about all these new ideas and you sound like a guy that's always working, always thinking of the next big thing. Can you share a little bit about what else you have in store? Yeah, we get a lot of people asking like, oh, can I take this on an airplane? They want to wear it like, you know, you're in the airport, you've seen those people with these huge travel golf bags and, you know, they're kind of awkward. So we've got, you know, some add-ons in the work that would let you take the back nine as a, you know, as a, as a piece of luggage, which would be cool. And then, yeah, there's a few different just use cases of, you know, if you think about off-course mobility, off-course mobility and on-course performance is, is what I like to think of. I was just probably performing off the golf course or just, you know, in daily life versus on the course. So, yeah, those are a few of the, the ideas are bouncing around. It sounds like you're tackling this the right way. You've got your patents in line. You want to make it so people can bring it to the airport. I mean, there's nothing this bag is not going to be able to do. And right now, you guys are taking pre-orders on your website, sidestreetgolf.com. And Bob, after all your trials and tribulations to even get to this point, the Back Nine Golf Backpacks are set to ship out this month. When you look back on everything you've done to get here, what would you say you're most proud of? I think... uh I'm most proud of just, just not quitting. <laughs> it's a long, uh, it's been a long process and, uh, there's, it's a hard process. It, it took, you know, what, what, almost three years from initial concept to delivering products to customers. So I, I'm just, you know, between the support of my wife, my family, you know, all my friends who have kind of helped me with this, it's, uh, I'm just thankful, thankful to them and just proud that, you know, we're kind of getting this over the over the finish line. Yeah, it's great to see everything come to fruition and uh, really excited for everything that the Back Nine Golf Pack Pack is going to do in the future. Um, I know you've already done so much, but uh, I want to end with a couple lighthearted questions. First up, Bob, I was listening to a podcast where you said you love to write and you've been working on a fantasy novel over the years. So can you share a little bit about the premise of that book and when readers can potentially expect to get their hands on it? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, that's uh, that was my pre pre back nine uh, project. I like to do, you know, big projects. I wrote one. The first draft It is terrible. I would not recommend anyone to read it. But, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, nothing crazy. You know, it's, it's like I've always kind of wanted to write and sometimes you just got to remove all the obstacles and all the things that are clouding your vision. You start asking, well, what should I write about? Or I need a super unique idea or I need this or that. It's just a straightforward kind of story about this, this, this um, a young boy and a girl who are, who, you know, they have some magical inclinations and there's a wizard and all, you know, all the kind of standard stuff, but. It's nothing spectacular, but it, it, it's done. I did it. So, you know, it was my, my idea was just, I just want to finish one, one book, you know, one draft at least of, of a book start to finish. So that's what that is. It would probably take three, you know, I have nine iterations of the back nine. This would be require like 20 iterations. So uh, maybe in six years. <laughs> 
All right. Well, hey, you're you're you know you're working on it, and uh, eventually, hopefully, that can come to light as well. Now, if you're a big writer, uh, Bob, I imagine you're a pretty big reader. Is there a couple books that you recommend to people, or you know, what are some of your favorite books you've ever read? Okay, good questions. One of my recommendations would be the Lean Startup Method. It's kind of an older book now, but it's just solid fundamental ideas of business of. of finding product market fit and introducing a minimal viable product and testing it before you go all out. So that's, that's my number one business one. Probably my favorite fantasy book is the name of the wind. That's a, uh, another one, just a classic fantasy story. And then I don't know, I think too, too good. Would you like another recommendation? <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. The name of the wind and the lean startup method. I haven't read either of them. So I'll, uh, I'll add those to the list to check out. And um, another thing about you, Bob, I know that you like to play rugby as you play for a team called the Krakens. Now, rugby is something that's always made me nervous because of the physicality of the sport. But I got to ask, what hurts you more, getting trucked in a rugby game from a huge tackle or three-putting on the golf course? <laughs> um, I, I'm a bigger guy. I'm 6'4". Uh, I'm usually not getting trucked on the, on the rugby pitch. But I do three putt or more a lot. Uh, so I think that's more, that's more painful to me. <laughs> okay, so you're the one doing the trucking. You're laying the hammer out on the field, huh? <laughs> I try. I try. <laughs> How long have you been playing rugby for? Since college. So, what, 10, 14 years ago? Yeah, a little more, a little over 14 years. And I only play in the summer now. The Krakens assemble uh, just at a few uh, rugby tournaments around uh, around the Midwest. How have the Krakens fared over the years? What's the success been like uh, since you've been playing with them? You know, it's gotten as we as we all age and get older, our performance on the pitch has maybe you know maybe we, some people might say we've lost a step, but for every step we've lost on the pitch, we've kind of gained in experience off the pitch and in the pub after and, uh, you know, and having a good time. So it's kind of a, you know, a mixed bag. That's good. I love that you're still getting out there and playing because, um, you know, I, I've, I've never tried it, but uh, maybe I will at some point. Um, and then lastly, Bob, you know, you are an entrepreneur and I would love to know what is your favorite part about being an entrepreneur and your least favorite part? Yeah, my favorite part is, I'd say, kind of seeing the product click with someone, seeing who's, seeing someone who really just gets the back nine, like, like you just kind of, it makes sense. You're on board, you're, you're, you're going to be in the community. Like, I, I love that, it's kind of validating what I'm doing and it's, you know, helping people out, providing a product that, that, that they like. So that's, that's satisfying for me to see, you know, to, to see it come into reality and, and people enjoy it. Um, and then the, the least favorite part, uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made and, and agonized over. And, um, you know, you can ask other people for help. And I've been, people have been very generous with their advice to me, but ultimately you got to make the calls and you got to keep doing that over and over again. You know, every day there's, there's a problem, there's an issue with something, you got to figure out how to deal with it. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's hard to just do that over and over again. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, it sounds like you're taking the right approach, and I'm really excited to see everything that you and Side Street Golf and the Back Nine Golf Backpack have in store. So, Bob, I just got to say thank you so much for taking the time to join the show today. This has been a lot of fun hearing your story, and I can't wait to get my hands on a Back Nine Golf Backpack. For sure. Love to hear it. And, yeah, thanks for having me. It's a, it's an honor. I've listened to a few of your episodes now, and, uh, yeah, I think what you're doing is is pretty neat, too. Such a lovely conversation with Bob this week. Whether he's golfing, inventing, writing, or playing rugby, Bob is always doing something fun. And it was a real treat to highlight his story on the People podcast. Be sure to follow Bob on Instagram at SideStreetGolf and check out his website at SideStreetGolf.com. Thanks to Bob for joining the show and thanks to all of you for listening. I'll talk to you all next week for the latest installment of the People podcast.